beginning just to ease everyone in and so I can not have to say anything is I ask people uh, to describe the book but not necessarily a sort of you know the blurb okay. quotient but just sort of where, where you are with it it sounds like your your writing life is, is so fast moving that you move from one project to that, and friends of mine who are screenwriters are moving so much faster than, than the sort of novelist bit of yeah them. it's quite intensive so, so. We, are you sort of well past this book? Is, is this sort of a, yes? It okay. feels, it's, it's an odd, and also because obviously a book coming out is very different from something going out on TV because that's very concentrated and immediate response. Whereas a book, it, it obviously hopefully lands and there are reviews and things, but there is this gradual kind of swell response to it, so it feels very different. So where are you with it now? I mean, it, <laughs> is, it, is it a sort of distant? Can you, are you the sort of writer that when you finish something, you, it, it vanishes from you and you're on? To, the to some degree, and then and then you'll, you know, there'll be little blips of, you know, thinking about it and realizing it's over, and wishing you could go back and oh, well, slightly elaborate or improve or change. What would you elaborate and change? Oh God, I can't. Pos- I don't know. I <laughs> All don't of know. it. Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. Um, if you were to describe it though to uh, an alien landing, how would you? Um, yeah, I always find this bit difficult. I know, sorry, I know. Uh, unlike screenwriting, it's not like you know the elevator, the elevator pitch. pitch. Yeah, I think I think one of the reasons I write novels is not to have to do an elevator pitch. You know, but, so it's a different. It's a completely sort of different imaginative. Yeah. Space for you. Yeah, and it's just formally much more expansive and you know, it feels less prescribed writing novels. But I, I suppose, um, yeah, if I describe the book, I'd say it's. Um, it's a book about. Uh, what's it a book about? It's a, a book about the way we tell stories to account for our lives and how you know everybody has their own story, but often we're invested in other people's stories perhaps more than we are in in the way we represent our, the story of our own lives to ourselves. Yeah. If that sounds in any way intelligible. Um, How do you feel about the sort of way that people tell the story of your book, which is it's a it's a it's a thriller, or and I sort of I think about for about maybe fifty pages or so. That I thought, oh right, it's going to be about the disappearance of yeah. this woman. There's a, a policeman turns up. There's some nice police procedural stuff, but in a slightly more intense way than maybe we're used to. And then and then it goes in a, in, a, in a really different direction. But do you do you mind us sort of being fitted or at least being fitted into a sort of genre that I suppose it could be a crime novel or a psychological thriller? Yeah, I, I, I was very aware that because it's obviously playing with those tropes that um, when we talked about the cover, which actually I'm very pleased with now, but it went through um, various versions <laughs> because I think um, marketing were quite excited about the idea they could market it as a thriller. Right. And I felt that people who felt that they were reading a thriller would then be very disappointed ultimately and that people who might be interested in the kind of book it is might not pick it up if they thought it was a particular kind of thriller. I did have an amazing moment last night actually that I was walking through looking at the back and I was half talking I was talking to my wife about it and said I just I don't know where I am and then the light hit the, they're almost like hidden yeah, yeah. words. Yeah, no, no, that is a very, very nice thing on the cover. I yeah. thought it was the most... Exce- but it seemed to fit Absolutely. a really se- a central bit of the book, which is this this quote which runs through the novel. Um, 
I should just get you to read it rather than me. Okay. Would that be all right? Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. It says, a secret isn't the same as a lie. A lie is what a secret gives birth to when it mates with speech. It's father's child as well as its mother's. Sometimes we call it a story. Little bastard. <laughs> Can you tell me about that? I mean, it's a... It's a... Um, yeah, I suppose I, I suppose I... That feels very you. It feels, it feels very, very me. <laughs> um, I think certain stories are recorded a certain status and, and, and obviously there's quite a lot in the book about social status or agency or, um, you know, the way we live now. And... Um, I'm just, I, I find it's a preoccupation with my fiction writing, this idea of whose stories get to be told. And the idea of using the genre of the thriller was a way of immediately um, sort of dignifying the stories I really wanted to tell with this kind of tease of often the stories we're interested in telling about women particularly are stories about missing women, young women, abused women. You know, it seems like unless there's some damage, some very, um, I don't want to say glamorised, but somehow kind of laminated version of damage kind of and presented to us. And particularly if, with, with women, or yeah, two yeah. women. Or, it's a, uh, I remember asking someone about the produ- pr- preponderance of books with the word girl in the title and all so many of those books are about dead savage dismembered missing women yeah and and they thought it was just pure misogyny but it's something about our culture which is absolutely and i think it's sending out something you know that's worth listening to about you know what are those stories telling us about the way it is to be female in society and the way that we're interested in consuming stories about females in society and it's been interesting reading the reviews to the book because I think only one has really noticed that there is a missing woman in the story but it's not not the, not the woman you think it is at the beginning and obviously that is the formal conceit of the book so it's been quite disappointing in a way that that hasn't been picked up except by one reviewer um, Is that because we like to uh, do you think we feel there's something about those narratives presented to us that, that, that makes us feel comfortable that we don't want and I suppose it's happening at the moment and every headline currently is about um, awful things happening to, to, to that have been happening for years to, to women and the art uh, the shock this is this is apparently sort of creating on, on the culture when the perhaps the people actually involved have known this has been going on for years. My wife is kind of walking around the house going... Yeah, I mean... He, you know, really? Yeah. Um, it, but it feels like an exciting point. I mean, it's because it's like, oh, right, OK, so now we're allowed to say <laughs> this is a bad thing, which we always knew. But there's but, a comfort in the other story, which is body washes up on beach yes. and we can somehow get really excited yeah. in, a, in a way that is actually quite... Yeah, which hopefully the book slightly unpacks that. It, it, it gradually and, and you know makes a transition into being quite a different kind of book, which hopefully is as engaging and as satisfying as a story. You know, there are still a lot of mysteries in the book that are solved. It's just not necessarily the mystery you think you're signing up for when well, you start the, reading it. Because the blurb mystery would be a young girl is found washed up it, it on the uh, cold um, beach in somewhere in North Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, the police are called. 
I don't know how to talk about it. It's very difficult to talk about without completely spoiling yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is one of the... And that would seem to be where the story is. But it's almost as though she is... She's almost like... I was trying to think of a way to put this. She's almost like, I say, a torch that light, that yeah. can shine the light on everyone else. Absolutely, who's yeah, affected. yeah, yeah. She's the catalyst for a sort of crisis point in everyone else's story, it turns out. Just, just to, it, so it sounds like it's quite personal to to you. I don't know how um, how close it, it was because you grew up, were born and raised in in Yorkshire, in Yorkshire. but in South Yorkshire, oh, okay. so not on a, in a coastal town. I, I like the idea of using that slightly cinematic thing of the body on the beach and that you know dark and stormy nights and all that. And I do seem very attractive. I, I was going to say that's it. That, those are there are other yeah yeah all that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of time in childhood, you know, on that coast and you know those kind of that cold east wind and you know the feeling of those places and, and it felt in that way that it you know those parts of the world can feel very much somewhere like Whitby feels very much itself because it's quite cut off, but also how it's you know it's part of Britain but it feels like its own little community and I like that idea. A, a small community. And, why, why is that? Why does that excite? Well, I say they're not particularly novelist in, in you, rather than well. Actually, maybe your screenwriting is also about these tiny little communities too, a bit. Yeah. But. I mean, well, because you know the novel is a it's a kind of social form as much as anything else, isn't it? It's one of the things it can be, and I think that's what attracts me. I, you know, the the, the kind of ability to. Um, look at how society slightly forms our psychology really I find very interesting the whole time. How does that work in in this novel, just thinking about the, the community that are, are drawn into so it's the story of um, this young woman Storm, who, whose name is Storm Yeah, because um, they don't know what she's actually called. Yeah. She's got this sort of she, well she seems to have memory loss and or is at least not talking um, mm-hmm. at all I was interested about the, it really is the story about, about the community what was it about that community that excited you were saying about the, so, the social novel what's the um, I, I think the idea of just you know the dailiness of people's lives and how we're at a point where it feels we're at a really crucial time with our notions of what community is it feels, it feels as though as a country we're slightly, slightly turning inwards and the idea you know at a time of immense globalisation and there's stuff in the book about a young teenage character who's been homeschooled and she's had no experience of social media mm. and she's trying to engage with that and her sense of what a wider world might be but also in this town there's also, it's also quite inward looking and insular and people are slightly clamping down on the idea like this girl who's found you know, is she from around here? You know, that, that slightly Sorry, xenophobic suspicion of things. Was that, I mean, I don't wish to draw too many um, personal parallels, but was that what it was like? Was that what your childhood was like? Um, is that what Yorkshire was? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I did have that, that um, sense of small town life. I grew up in Doncaster, and it was a place that still has very much a sense of its own identity. And yet, at the same time, it feels very much overlooked by the rest of the world, kind of thing. Um, and, and I think, you know, as a kind of 
sort of bookish teenager looking outwards, that sense of, oh my God, there's this whole world out there, how am I ever going to like engage with that world? Which was difficult pre-internet. And I'm sure if I was a teenager now, you have much more a sense of finding your community and, you know, the, the idea that, you know, just travel's much easier than it used to be. So was that perhaps the, the story of those the slightly older characters? There's... Um, there's a, there's a pair of best friends, um, uh, Mel and Dawn, who then becomes Aurora, which I like. Um, yeah, she renames herself. Yeah. And then Stu as well, who's, who's sort of part of this almost tri- triangle. Um, and they all have, they're all, it's something just one of the ways to, to think about them is. Um, is there defined by a question whether you want to get out of the place that you're, yeah. you're born in or whether and whether by returning you're sort of somehow stuck or you've perhaps failed was it I mean was that something that, that came from you just saying about being a bookish teenager yeah. looking out was there a desire for you to, to get out and absolutely I'm, I'm you know generationally I'm of the generation that those characters are and it was very much the kind of Thatcher time of mid 80s mid 80s and um you know, I was in Doncaster when it was the mine strike, and it was a pretty kind of bleak place to be. And I felt like my whole focus was getting to university, getting out. There wasn't much notion of then returning. I just wanted okay. to get out, you know. And um, and the Dawn character, you know, she clearly has that that she wanted to get out. But her best friend, who's Mel, stayed and didn't look outward. But actually, she's very much enriched her community. Although she herself perhaps feels that she didn't, you know, take the bold step and she didn't do with her life what she might have done. Because it's quite important that Dawn wanted to do was international international relations, yeah. the sense of a kind of huge world. Yeah, she had a sense of a wider world, yeah. But it didn't work out for her, you know. She she had this thing that pulled her her back home, and then and then it was difficult to to readjust, maybe. Um, I mean, you were just talking, just before we started talking, you were talking about going to, to University in Oxford, but finding that difficult for... Is that because it was just perhaps a small a small place, or was it a class, was that to do with class? Um, yeah, I think it was hugely to do with class. I mean, I, I, I've been encouraged as an as a academically successful child to kind of always focus on this thing that would, you know, would be a wonderful thing, no question asked, you know, to go to university and then the possibility to get to Oxford. And, yeah, I was the first person in my family who didn't leave school at 16, wow. so it was a really big deal. And um, I thought it was going to be amazing. And, I, you know, I watched Brideshead Revisited with no sense of... Um, what would the word be? It didn't alert me to any dangers about what the place might be like. I just thought it would be great. And there'd be lots of beautiful boys swagging around with their teddy bears. Um, and then, you know, I got there and it, and a lot of it was really just very unpleasant. And it was it was quite difficult to integrate socially. I'm not saying I didn't make a lot of friends, but there seemed quite a stark social divide between state school pupils and private school pupils. I don't know if that's shifted at all. I think they like to think it's shifted. Yeah. Um, I think the reality, I mean, as we've been hearing recently, I think the reality is it hasn't shifted as much as as, yeah. is, cl- as is claimed. But yeah. Um, yeah. what were the... Did you suffer that? I mean, was that something that was aimed at you di- directly? It would be... Or it was... Well, I, I, I had a slightly odd sort of... Um, 
profile because although I'd grown up in Doncaster, I'd spent half my childhood in Canada and then gone back to Doncaster to sixth form and to do university entrance. So I had had a, an experience of a, a, a very different culture and a much more egalitarian, less class-ridden, more ethnically mixed kind of culture in Canada. So it was it was one culture shock going back to Doncaster and doing my A levels and do, you know doing that and then during the minor strike and all that and then and then going to Oxford it was another shock again because I had sufficient perspective to feel well this is there's something not quite right about this but I should be really grateful to be here. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not that I felt looked down on exactly because I think I felt quite academically secure, but um, I did feel that it was just a very, very alien culture to be in. These people who went beagling and you know, <laughs> went during the Bullingdon and things like that. I mean, quite how odd it was wasn't clear to me at the time. It's only looking back, I just think it was like a form of culture shock that lasted three years. Really. And one of the things I really liked about the novel was it, it, it makes, makes you, it made, me, it made me feel very sensitive to the ways in which we, um, uh, for want of a better word, or to use the, the, some of the phrase, I think that Storm at some point was used about Storm, um, objectify and, and, make, and make other. And not, not just in an obvious way of when there's a crime that we immediately look to the, the local Eastern Europeans, almost as a matter of a cause, so that we can feel as though it can't possibly be our own sense of community. She was saying these uncomfortable things that go on in Britain. Um, but the way that we do that to our best friends, to, to everyone around us, that's so hard, in another way, it's hard to know what's going on in our inner lives, like you were just reading that, that, that important passage about secrets. Is that something that maybe having that very obvious overt kind of contrast, does that make you feel very aware, aware of it? Or is that maybe so you got that from somewhere else, like reading books? Or, yeah, I think reading um, books, which really okay. helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, the, part of the program is reading um, a really good interview with George Saunders, you know, the Lincoln in the Bardo, um, interviews after the booker, and he, and he was saying, you know, one, like, if I've understood it correctly or remembered it correctly, or maybe it's just the way I've absorbed it, one, one imperative of the novel is kind of active empathy. It's an active empathy reading novel. It lets you, because you access like nothing else into the, the hearts and minds of others. And, and that's the kind of writing that really excites me. And I feel it's worthwhile, you know, as human beings to attempt to be empathic, you know. Were there books when you were, say, uh, when, perhaps when you were young and you were talking about t- the importance of teenage reading that were doing that for you that, that op- opened your imagination and opened your em- empathy up um, well the, the writer that springs to mind is you know a kind of genius of empathy is George Eliot reading Middlemarch which obviously is a masterpiece of the social novel and the empathic novel and how those two things interact um, and but I have to say I was very eclectic yeah, it wasn't like I was just reading George Eliot as a teenager I just read everything and anything you know I love Judith Krantz blockbustery novels and yeah and was also true just as my there's mention of The Queen is Dead which has been sort of doing the rounds again because they've, they've reissued it was was music and, and you know was Morrissey important with those sorts of things as well that, that sense of perhaps 
artists who somehow can speak to a to the teenager, and I, I suppose I'm partly thinking about the character of, of Harmony, who's perhaps the was my favourite character, infuriating, but sort of lovable and, uh, and actually just I thought very I mean absolutely convincing, but. Um, so I've been thinking about teenagers, but was was that sort of important? Was would you been listening to those sorts of things as well? I would absolutely have been listening to them, but I was always a bit, um, you know, I was a very affected teenager, <laughs> and and always kind of slightly, yeah, a bit middle aged, and sort of found found the kind of posturing of musicians okay. quite tricky. And uh, although I quite often like the music itself, I, I found it problematic that idea of being. You know, the front that's required to be more sealed, you know. So it's the character of Stu then, who is a kind of brief indie hero. Yeah. I just like that idea of of the sort of narcissism, the self-confident narcissism of often, I mean, I know it wasn't entirely male, but it was often the the teenage boy who who could assume that. No idea what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I I just did always have a slightly jaundiced view of that. I just thought it was a bit silly. <laughs> so is there something about books that was somehow disrupted those kinds of slightly more <laughs> tedious narratives that if you could find the right author or the right book that would uh, that there were books that would speak to those kinds of inner, inner worlds? Um, I think so, but I think also just... It, it's very odd, isn't it, the reading that you do as a teenager so forms you, and because you're not particularly selective in your reading, I kind of... I worry about this in terms of because I've got teenagers who used to love reading and don't really read that much anymore Um, and that whole sense that things are the internet's an amazing thing but your experiences are so curated you know the algorithm of if you like this then you might like that which can be really exciting and you can discover things but you just because because everything's available nothing's available in a way whereas infinite choice yeah whereas when I was growing up the fact that you'd go into a second hand bookshop because books or to go to the local library because how did you access books you know I'd go to the local library and I'd just I'd kind of go oh yeah I've heard of Nabokov I don't know which one's a good one so I'll just read a Nabokov or I'll read a Sorbello novel or you know and, and, and it was all slightly but equally as I say it was Judith Prince or you know whatever and, and I I was a massive P.G. Woodhouse fan, which is quite common, I've uh, discovered, yeah. among writers, but I, I literally stumbled on a P.G. Woodhouse in W.H. Smith. I'd never heard of him, this is when I was living in Canada, and I remember that as one of the, the, the reading epiphanies of my life, was reading this P.G. Woodhouse book, and, and just finding it so delicious, and then I just obsessively tracked down and read the whole P.G. Woodhouse canon, and, and it's a real point of great... Um, sort of affection when I meet other people who have that experience because it's like you've got a whole set of references that are just very very embedded do you have a favourite I I, I always liked a line about um, I think someone had I think it was uh, it might have been because he wrote somebody a a very bitter (laughs) a very bitter postcard of the little chilling blue wall memorial (laughs) after one of his romantic disappointments I was um, Who's the really tricky one that um, who thinks Madeline, Bassett. Madeline Bassett, where Bert, uh, Bertie quotes a, a line of Shelley, and uh, she says, "Oh, you know, you know, you're Shelley, Bertie," and he says, "Am I?" <laughs> <laughs>